We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded. What's worse, a dead turtle or a dead whale? A whale's obviously bigger, more rare, and but whales are embarrassing liberals in New Jersey. They're doing it by dying. And then they have, you know, they've been impolite enough to wash up on shore. And it's happening very close to an area where lots of companies are doing survey work for the huge number of windmills that are going to be out there in the ocean. And as Kevin Downey Jr. of PJ Media points out from his home in New Jersey, he has to try to drink his pop through a paper straw now because plastic ones have been banned. And he refers to that famous picture of a poor sea turtle with a plastic straw coming out of his nose. And he wonders, you know, where the outrage is over the whales. I mean, the the, the turtle has a, a, a straw sticking out of his nose. The whales are dead, and they're washing up on shore, and they're really big. Windmills, of course, are going to save the planet, so 10 whales washing up on shore for some reason, haven't touched the bleeding hearts of the climate change hysterics. Now, CNN is blaming climate change, saying that the oceans are too warm, and that's why the oceans are, why the uh, whales are dying. Not sure where they got that science. But apparently whales are a lot like the thousands of eagles and other birds who get knocked out of the sky by windmills that are on the land. The government overseers of the animal kingdom have said that we shouldn't worry about that. But imagine for a minute if deer were coming out of the woods and dropping dead in people's backyards in areas where a lot of fracking was going on. You think maybe the greenies would be in hysterics over that and using it to demand an immediate end to fracking? Of course they would. Nobody wants to see the poor whales washing up on shore. But if it put an end to the stupid windmills, it might be a fair price to pay and a sacrifice from the dead whales for all the remaining whales who won't be killed by the windmills. When we come back, were the five cops in the Tyree Nichols video affirmative action hires who had no business wearing a cop's uniform? And in our second half hour, Joe Biden and your Aunt Rachel's boss took a big L yesterday. Stick around. Thousand nine hundred and ninety-seven. No, no. Suppose no. Thomas Edison had given 9, up. Nine thousand nine hundred and ninety-eight. Uh, but his failures only led him to the next idea. Nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. Picture Times Square dim, mm. Las Vegas dark, your home black. Picture no electric light. Ten thousand. Come on, come on. <laughs> Optimism. Pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at Values.com. The new year gives us the opportunity to make resolutions. You may have goals focusing on your physical, mental, or financial health, but have you considered your legal health? This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. You may have been putting off updating your estate plan or creating one altogether. We provide free consultations in order for you to finally check the box off your resolution list. Whether you want to discuss the difference between a will or a trust or the functions of a power of attorney, we'd love to talk to you. To schedule a free consultation today, visit a-h.law. My son Finn was born with congenital heart disease. He ended up spending about the first eight months of his life in the hospital. During that time, he endured 10 surgeries, including an open heart surgery. Starlight Children's Foundation has played an important role in my family's life. For five weeks when he was a baby, Finn lived in a Starlight Hero wagon. You could not understand the pure joy of having him go from a hospital bed into his favorite red wagon. Starlight doesn't just give items that hospitalized kids can use to keep themselves happy, but also memories, moments, and experiences which are so needed in times like these. They allow sick kids to just be kids for a little while. 
The support that Starlight provides to families like mine is an integral part to creating happiness at a time when there's very little to be found. Learn more about how Starlight Children's Foundation brightens the lives of sick kids by visiting starlight.org today. The word is out. People are abandoning their overpriced wireless carriers and flocking to Pure Talk for the same 5G coverage, but at a fraction of the price. In fact, the average family saves over $800 a year when switching from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. And switching is so easy. You can keep your phone, keep your number, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Right now, you can get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. Or if you still want unlimited data, you can get that and still save a fortune. So make the switch and get the same coverage as the big guys, but at half the price. Go to puretalk.com, type in your address to find the coverage at your home, then enter promo code half off, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code half off. Switch to Pure Talk and get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just $30 a month because Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Attention, if you owe money to the IRS, this is an urgent message. The IRS is cracking down by sending out heart-stopping letters, aggressively garnishing paychecks, seizing bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. They call it enforced compliance, and you better watch out because penalties and interest on unpaid taxes compound daily, making it seem impossible to ever get out of debt. Don't let the tax debt destroy your life. You need to call Optima Tax Relief, the number one tax resolution firm. They're experts in the Fresh Start Initiative, one of the biggest breaks that the IRS has ever offered. If you qualify, you could save thousands. Optima's resolved over $1 billion of tax debt for their clients. A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, they'll fight to get you the best deal possible. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. <laughs> Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. It's hard to imagine any of the five Memphis cops seen in that video with Tyree Nichols not doing some serious jail time. A judge and a jury are going to work that out. But how many of those cops should have even been there that night? Daniel Greenfield is an investigative journalist and a Stillman Journalism Fellow at the David Horowitz Freedom Center. He has some serious uh, questions about that. He joins us now. Daniel, thanks for coming on again. Appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. So how many of the cops were affirmative action hires? Is it, or is there a way to actually determine that? So details are still coming in. Uh, reports currently say that at least two of them uh, did not come in through the usual process. They came in when standards were lowered. There are other reports that say all five actually uh, came through kind of the side door um, through the city rather than the Memphis Police Department. That has not yet been confirmed. But either way, there are strong indications, and you have people who are actually teach, uh, who are trained police officers who look at that video and say these guys are not using anything that's normal police training. In previous videos, we've seen assorted incidents that were controversial, but they were clearly uh, being done by police officers who were following normative training. This is there's no training to this at all. Yeah, even Chauvin's uh, defense attorney tried to make the point that he was doing what was in their training, and they, I think they had evidence of it uh, with the George Floyd case, that that is one of the things that they've told cops in Minnesota to do. So that's pretty a lot. Much ev- yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, and each previous uh, so-called police brutality case, uh, each time they actually were able to point that the police officers are following their training. Maybe they go beyond it. Uh, they disregard things, but this case, these guys are completely operating off the books. And how and when did the qualifications change? And how much, I guess, too, is the answer, is the question. So there were all sorts of standards being lowered about the uh, 2016 to 2018 years um, because the goal was to uh, bring the police force, the Memphis PD, in line with the de- demographics for Memphis itself, and Memphis, the Memphis PD is majority black already. Uh, it's about, I think, um, 58% black, but Memphis itself is about 64% black, so it still wasn't enough. And they were adjusting um, standards in order to do that. They were lowering standards to do that. And they, they are getting closer to the, you know, the statistics they wanted, 
but professionalism, integrity uh, may have been sacrificed to do that, and the people who were victims of that, again, are black. Yeah, so they, I guess they kind of got away with it for a couple of years without any major incidents, but this was this inevitable? If, you're gonna, if you bring in police officers who don't have proper training, uh, who aren't really ready for this, and at the same time you have an unprecedented crime wave happening at the same time, uh, police officers are being ambushed, they're being assaulted in uh, unprecedented numbers. So it really looks a lot like gangland country there. And you've got cops who are, you know, baby cops. They really haven't been properly trained. They're going their own way. Uh, criminals are becoming more and more aggressive. They're not afraid of the police. Uh, something like this was inevitable. Yeah, and for, for to be, it's, it's not fair to the people you hire, is it, to, to tell them that, yeah, you're ready to go out there. Go ahead. Here's your gun and here's your, you know, here's your side uh, weapon and here's your nightstick and your mace and your uh, pepper spray. Go ahead out there and let's get the job done. Yeah, they should not have been in an elite police unit. But the other thing that happened is there's been a massive exodus of trained police officers from urban police forces, especially 2020, Black Lives Matter. Things got very ugly. Um, the career, a lot of those people decided they're going to go to the suburbs. They already live in the suburbs in many cases. They're just going to work where they live. They don't want to deal with any of this. And the people who are filling the gap are not qualified, but they really can't get anybody else. Yeah, I've, I've always wondered, I, I put myself in that situation. If I were a, a cop in New York City or Chicago or any one of the, the big cities, uh, Philadelphia, um, I'd be looking at Bismarck, uh, South Dakota, or is it North Dakota? Anyway, I'd be looking. At, I'd be looking to go out to, you know, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Everybody's looking for cops. You can work anywhere. Why would you want to work in Memphis, or Chicago, or New York? Exactly. And so many officers, career officers, the people you actually need, decided they don't need this. They don't want to face uh, risk of being involved in federal trials. They don't want to face the escalating violence and just the lack of law enforcement. And this was the end result. These are the police forces that have been reconstructed. Memphis was one of the test cases, reconstructing a police force that would focus on de-escalation, that would be um, race normed with the community demographics. Um, they had a progressive uh, leadership. They have a black female police chief who had to retire in disgrace from another department. Uh, they've reconstructed it in line with all these new ideas of how policing should work, and this is the result. And so the defund the police movement has played a major role here. Absolutely. It's played a role in police forces across America, but particularly in uh, Democratic enclaves, uh, where the push was to reinvent policing after George Floyd. Well, this is the reinvention. The reinvention is you have police officers who are black, but they are not trained uh, properly. Uh, police forces lacking uh, career officers because you also need a culture. When you don't have these career officers, uh, the veterans who have been on the force forever. Uh, the culture completely falls apart. And this is what we've seen already in places like Detroit. And now we're seeing it in Memphis. And of course, you have the president out there just last week, I think it was, telling cops that they should start shooting people in the leg. Shoot for their legs. And, you know, or they, sometimes you don't need a cop, you need a psychologist. He's still out there pushing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You need a psychologist to uh, reply to domestic violence disputes. Uh, good Lord. That is a complete nightmare, especially because, you know, police officers will tell you domestic disputes are some of their scariest and most difficult calls. In many cases, the victims don't want to report anything. But in other cases, uh, this is a situation that can easily get out of hand. And this is what happens when the people actually making these decisions, whether they're the new police officers, they're the politicians in D.C., have no idea what police work actually looks like, don't understand it, and don't care. It used to be uh, something that you would aspire to as a kid, and, and everybody would be really proud of you because you wanted to be a policeman. There's probably not a lot of that going on anymore. There are places that are more in Hartland, America, where that's the case, but so many police officers are experiencing ugliness. Um, they're being called gang members, thugs, and disrespected. And, you know, the end result is that they don't want to do the job. And the, what Biden is pushing, um, the various legislation that they're now picking up again in the Senate, would federalize police forces even more, put them under the control of the uh, government. And that will make things far worse. It means that there will be fewer police officers who will want the job, more untrained police officers, more incidents like Memphis. Uh, you have senators passing legislation like this. This will make Memphis inevitable 100 times over. 
Yeah, how would it make? What would the federal government getting more involved? I mean, I know if the federal government gets involved in anything, it usually makes whatever they're getting involved in worse. But how, how specifically might it really hurt police forces around the country? Uh, they're going to be monitoring things much more closely. So police departments are going to have their own complaint review boards, internal affairs. They're going to have the federal government on top, leaning into any possible investigation. Uh, they're going to try to find any pretext for bringing these charges. Uh, the Biden administration has been very aggressive in bringing a variety of civil rights charges against police officers based on activism. So, you know, you've got even cases where uh, locally uh, there was no basis for bringing charges. The Biden administration's Justice Department comes in and says, we need to bring charges in this case because like Black Lives Matter, they're engaging in protests. So police officers are going to have three sets of boots on their back. Uh, they're going to opt out, and the people who are going to be left are going to be the kind of cops you saw in Memphis. And what do you think the ramifications? We're talking to Daniel Greenfield. He's a, uh, a Stillman journalism fellow at the David Horowitz uh, Freedom Center, and uh, you can find his stuff at Front Page Magazine. Um, what, what are the ramifications going to be once this is all sorted out with the fact that the, well, I guess they've, they've added a couple more cops to the list of people who have been um, disciplined, but the five main guys are all black, and it was a black victim. What are going to be the ramifications for uh, going forward, do you think, for, for um, just how you, you, can't, you can't make that distinction anymore, that it's black cops beat, or white cops beating up and, and, um, and uh, committing crimes against white uh, black victims. It's, it, it, that doesn't work anymore, does it? No, but what they're pivoting to is something called systemic racism. Right. Uh, we're increasingly seeing the argument that police forces are themselves inherently systemically racist, that any kind of policing, the criminal justice system is systemically racist, uh, which means that, you know, you can accuse black cops, black prosecutors, um, anybody of being systemically racist because they've got these um, white institutions that they're working for. And this is especially destructive because this is really police defunding writ large. Uh, their idea is to be completely transform policing and to claim that policing as we know it is fundamentally racist and needs to be eliminated. But there's no indication that the people who live in these neighborhoods agree with them. No, we've seen poll after poll of black residents. They do want more police officers uh, because the crime wave that has followed 2020 and the Black Lives Matter stuff has been horrific. Uh, we have thousands in more dead people in black communities uh, post all this police defunding stuff. So it's been catastrophic. Uh, the frontline victims of this are black. But the people who claim to speak for them, you know, whether it's Biden, that's Representative Cori Bush, they have this agenda. Why is the distinction between who hired, and in Memphis now I'm talking about, why is the distinction, distinction between who hired these cops, the city or the police department, important? Uh, it's really important because the police department has its hiring standards and they are important for uh, maintaining professionalism. Uh, when the city hires officers, then they can go around the usual rules. They can set their own standards. And the people setting those standards are not police officers. They're not law enforcement people. Uh, they're people who are pursuing a political agenda. And the political agenda in this case, at least according to some reports, was that they wanted uh, more diversity. They wanted to bring in a police force that would statistically match up with that of the community, which is not a good way to hire police officers. And of course, the police department is made up of police who have actually been out on the street and they know what's required. It's, I'm just wondering if, if there was much of a discussion about that when it was happening. Was there, uh, were, did the police department protest any of this or are they doing it now after the fact? Well, the police department union was not very happy with the situation. Uh, from what I understand, but at the same time, uh, you know, the, the union is getting paid. Uh, the union members are getting paid. They now have a black female head of the police union. They've got a black female head of the um, police department. The consequences really are when things go completely wrong. That's when things fall apart, and they fall apart um, at unexpected times. So who knew this was going to be the big moment? Yeah, and and the uh, the lack of training on the video, as you mentioned, was just obvious. I think you quoted somebody in there in your piece at frontpagemag.com. Um, you mentioned that they said it looked more like um, thugs, street fighting, not acting as, not guys acting as police officers. And that's why uh, Tyree Nichols is 
dead right now. It was very typically street fighting, uh, those kinds of pylons. Kicks to the head in particular, there's, there's no training manual procedure that says you kick a suspect in the head. Uh, in the past, there have been issues with restraint. There have been arguments you restrain people, either cutting off their ability to breathe or something like that. Uh, this is just direct graphic violence. It's completely different than the George Floyd case or any previous case. And um, now you mentioned the police chief. Uh, the details on her are pretty disturbing. She's a black woman. That appears to be the only qualification that they were looking for because she came from another uh, place where she uh, well kind of had to get out of town quickly. Yeah, there was there were allegations of a cover-up, child porn, um, all sorts of disturbing things uh, that should have disqualified her for any kind of um, role as the head of a department. But there was this big demand, again, for um, black um, police leadership because, again, so many forces were saying we need to get away from all these accusations. We're being accused of racism, so let's bring in black officers, black captains, black chiefs. And we see this in departments across the country in major cities are now black-led. Has that made things any better? Has that fixed anything? Uh, not that anybody can tell. Yeah, she came from Atlanta, and uh, and you know that would seem like a a lateral move anyway, or, or maybe a, a step down, if, at least if you go by the size of the market. Um, but uh, it's is she. What what's the pressure on her now? What's she going to have to do to um, see to it that it doesn't happen again? They have a, apparently. It's a pretty large police force. These, it's, it's amazing, by the way, that these five guys were sent out together without maybe, you know, how about mixing in a veteran cop who would, who would at least be able to keep them under control and, and maybe be a good role model for them. But she's got a, a police force. If this has been going on since 2016, she's got a lot of guys like the guys who were involved in this video on the force. Yeah, yeah. There, there needs to be an actual house cleaning and professional upgrades, um, but you just described actually making sure that people are paired with career veterans who can actually guide them, but I doubt that's going to happen. They're going to select scapegoats and uh, promote the, a sort of diversity training, and nothing is actually functionally going to change because they're still uh, going to be hiring people who are not really qualified. Uh, the police leadership is not ready to actually bring things up to standards, and I know after this controversy fades in a week or two, uh, there's going to still be the push to deal with the constant crime wave, the shootings. So I think everything is going to reset right back to where we started. Talking to Daniel Greenfield of FrontPageMag.com. And that was my next uh, question for you. Is this getting enough coverage from the media? I, the story itself is, obviously, but I mean this angle. No, I don't think it's getting any coverage. The media is just trying to get a grip to grips with the whole, well, it's racism, but the cops are black thing. And talking about the general unfairness of policing, uh, they're not dealing with the structural failures in the department or where those failures came from. But this has been true in pretty much every previous case like this. Uh, the simplistic explanation of everything is racism, and then they don't actually have to understand what's going on. And should it be assumed uh, that Memphis isn't the only place where this situation exists? I think you, you covered that, but it's got to be this can't be the only place where they've been hiring the same way that Memphis has been hiring for the last as you say since 2016 or so uh, there's a lot of fragility in police forces across the country some have advantages they can offer higher salaries um, some have a more developed culture they're older uh, they have better leadership but the bottom line is this is an issue for any number of police departments some are handling it better than others, but this could happen in any department at any time. And until we kind of bring back police forces to where they were in 2018, uh, to a place that was actually where we had lower crime rates, we had more professionalism in police forces, we had police officers who wanted to be in major urban police. It's really you can never pay somebody enough to do this job. Until we get back there, it's just going to get worse. Well, it's not encouraging. Uh, great stuff, though, there, Daniel, and I hope the media is at least forced to cover this angle, at least to some degree, before it's all said and done. Appreciate you coming on the show. As always, my pleasure. Thank you. Okay, that's Daniel Greenfield of FrontPageMag.com. You can find his piece there, and I'll be right back.
With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Republican Congressman George Santos of New York is temporarily stepping down from his two congressional committees. A day after meeting with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, Santos told GOP colleagues he would not serve on his two assigned committees amid ongoing ethics questions. He has faced numerous calls for his resignation and is facing multiple investigations by prosecutors over his personal and campaign finances and lies about his resume and family background. Republican Tom Cole of Oklahoma said the decision was well-received from the GOP conference, saying, I think it was the appropriate thing to do. Greg Clugston, Washington. Police say at least 10 people were wounded too critically on Monday at a drive-by shooting in Lakeland, Florida. The eight of the victims have non-life-threatening wounds. Only three were transported by emergency management services. This is SRN News. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of Trust Link Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Hi, this is Kim Dolan Leto, ESPN Fitness Champion and author of the brand new book, Fit God's Way. The new year brings you a new opportunity to get healthy. Enter the Healthy You, Healthy Family sweepstakes. You could win a fitness package worth $5,000. It includes a one-year fitness club membership for a family of four, fitness equipment, gift cards, and a copy of my new book, Fit God's Way. Make 2023 your healthiest year yet. Register to win now at the Answer PG. Hey, John Steigerwald here for Johnny and Jesse Samick, my friends over at Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. When disaster strikes your home or business, demand the yellow van. Fire, water, or mold, Service Master's technicians are trained and equipped to get you back to normal fast. Even when dealing with insurance, you have a choice who repairs and cleans up the mess. Make sure you demand the yellow van. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Service Master. Attention! If you owe money to the IRS, this is an urgent message. The IRS is cracking down by sending out heart-stopping letters, aggressively garnishing paychecks, seizing bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. They call it enforced compliance, and you better watch out, because penalties and interest on unpaid taxes compound daily, making it seem impossible to ever get out of debt. Don't let the tax debt destroy your life. You need to call Optima Tax Relief, the number one tax resolution firm. They're experts in the Fresh Start Initiative, one of the biggest breaks that the IRS has ever offered. If you qualify, you could save thousands. Optima's resolved over $1 billion of tax debt for their clients. A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, they'll fight to get you the best deal possible. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. AM 1250. The answer. Weather. Clouds breaking tonight. We'll see a nighttime low of 16. Partly sunny skies tomorrow. Tomorrow's high 28. Patchy clouds tomorrow night with a low of 20. We'll see intervals of clouds and sunshine for Thursday. Expect a high Thursday of 38. Friday, partly sunny skies. It will be windy and frigid Friday with a high of 17. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, Joe Biden and his Justice Department lost a big one yesterday. Mark Houck was a winner, big winner. He was looking at 11 years in prison for violating the FACE Act. It happened in Philadelphia. Mark Houck got the win. So did anyone who uh, anyone who does oppose abortion also got a win. 
Sarah Parshall Perry is a senior legal fellow for legal and judicial studies at the Heritage Foundation, and she joins us now with more on this. Sarah, thanks for coming on again. Good to have you always. Thanks for having me. Love doing your show. So this guy wasn't just charged with violating the FACE Act, the F-A-C-E Act. He had a SWAT team show up at his house and take him away while his family watched. So what was he accused of doing? You know, this is really a quintessential politicized investigation and an abuse of discretion on the part of the Justice Department. About four o'clock in the morning at the end of last year, he was raided, his house was raided, and 20 SWAT team members came in. This is the stuff of sort of breaking up drug kingpins and gang leaders. But instead, they saved it for a Catholic father of seven who has peacefully protested and sidewalk counseled outside abortion clinics for quite some time. He's a staple there. He had one incident on October 31st of 2022 with a man named Bruce Love. Bruce actually chased him down the sidewalk at about 100 feet or so and ripped a um, brochure out of his hand and then eventually got in a verbal altercation with him, calling him terrible names in front of Mark's 12-year-old son, who was there counseling and praying as well. Well, it wasn't at that point that finally Mark had had enough and pushed him, to which point Bruce fell down on the ground. But what he was charged with, instead of something simple like misdemeanor assault, Remember, we're only talking about scratches on one hand here. Instead of it being a simple misdemeanor assault, and I will say that local authorities refused to investigate. They refused to actually charge him with anything because they knew it was so thin a case. The Department of Justice got involved. They decided to send down one of their attorneys, Kristen Clark, through the uh, Department of Justice's Office for Civil Rights, decided to bring Face Act violation charges and after an initial deadlock this past Friday, they rendered their verdict yesterday. It was blessedly an acquittal on violation of the Faith Act, which we anticipated it would be. But I think everybody who was watching this trial closely and those who peacefully protest outside abortion clinics, as is their First Amendment right, within the purview of the Faith Act, are particularly gratified. The prosecution, we knew, could not carry their burden. They could not prove beyond a reasonable doubt that how attacked love specifically because he was a reproductive health care worker. No, he pushed him because he was coming after his minor son, which I have to tell you, just about any parent in that situation would have been similarly inclined. But a good outcome all the way around and shows you exactly how politicized the Department of Justice has come. Yeah, so... This The Justice Department, the federal government, was able to get involved. Why? Because of the FACE Act being a federal law that, uh, you know, that, that created a federal law that if someone does this, so if anybody does that anywhere, it ever uh, intimidates an abortion worker or, or, or does anything to intimidate anybody showing up for an abortion, that it becomes a federal law and a federal case? That's exactly it. The FACE Act was uh, passed back in 1994. It's a federal law. So the federal government has the authority, if they so desire, to actually enforce it by bringing suit against the individuals who have allegedly violated. That's what DOJ did here, because local authorities didn't want to charge him with anything. They said there was not enough information here to issue a charge. Well, the Department of Justice decided that they were going to drive up from D.C. and they were going to try their case on their own. It was a five-day-long trial and, like I said, really a great outcome because this Department of Justice has more than 100 incidents of pro-life and worship violence. We're talking violence, arson, vandalization against crisis pregnancy centers, houses of worship, or other organizations in the business of providing counseling on reproductive services, which is what the FACE Act covers. They've got more than 100 incidents since June of 2022. We've only just now, within the past six days, seen their first two arrests in Florida for individuals who potentially violated the FACE Act against a crisis pregnancy center there. So if you want to talk about the balance of uh, sort of power here and where the scales are being tipped, we're 30 prosecutions in, 
for individuals who have been charged with Face Act violations for peacefully protesting, but we are now only two charges in for individuals who are doing violence or vandalization against houses of worship or crisis pregnancy centers. It is patently obvious that this administration is picking and choosing its desired outcomes for this law. And so it was obviously more about intimidation than it was about actually getting a conviction. It absolutely was. And I'm going to tell you, I think it was very revealing that uh, federal court judge Gerald Papper, who presided over the trial, actually told the prosecutor, federal law seems a little stretched thin here. Well, when the judge indicates that at the beginning of a trial, you know that there are a lot of questions about whether or not there's anything sufficiently worthy of prosecution. And from the beginning, this was intimidation. It was harassment. This was a show of force. They wanted Mark, Mark Howe to apparently be the sacrificial lamb for the conservative pro-life community. And I would say until this acquittal just yesterday, they very much were on that path. So this is a great outcome. So, <clears throat> excuse me, when, when someone is uh, at home at 4 o'clock in the morning and a SWAT team shows up for something like this, even if he's guilty of that, of what they eventually charged him with, it doesn't justify a SWAT team with armed guys with guns and, you know, uh, uh, armored uh, gear and, uh, you know, the whole thing, the whole SWAT uh, SWAT team paraphernalia showing up at your house. Um, It just... Uh, is there someone who has to pay a price for overdoing that? Somebody ordered that. Somebody said, hey, round up whatever number of guys it was and go to this guy's house and drag him out because he might have pushed somebody on a sidewalk. That's exactly it. Well, I I think what we're going to see is probably Merrick Garland and or Kristen Clark, who is the head of the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice, call before the House Oversight Committee. We've got a very aggressive House Oversight Committee They want to begin top to bottom and start calling the administration to account for what are clear misuses and abuses of not only prosecutorial discretion, but also of federal law, not just with the FACE Act, but with, for example, the COVID-19 emergency. There has been such a misuse of the existing federal law. And I do think at some point the Biden administration is going to get tired of losing. Remember what happened at the Supreme Court? The Supreme Court with a CDC eviction moratorium struck it down. The Supreme Court with the federal vaccine mandate struck it down. They're now two strikes for three. The only one that they upheld was through HHS, Center for Medicare and Medicaid. And that's because these are individuals who are in the healthcare profession and they're dealing with individuals who are older, many of whom are immune compromised. But they lost two out of three on their COVID-19 efforts. We think if this continues down this path, we're going to see these kinds of challenges go up to the Supreme Court. And I think that's why we are, even though there is now chatter about using the public health emergency powers to declare the opportunity to essentially throw open the doors on abortion access, this Supreme Court is very likely to turn a sort of side eye to this administration and find that there is no justification for using two federal laws, the Stafford Act and the PrEP Act, to declare a public health emergency and provide abortion access to anyone who wants it. It just will not stand, I think, under legal scrutiny. Yeah, and I was going to get to that in a minute, but since you brought it up, these guys really seem to love abortion. So they're considering declaring a public health emergency on abortion. So uh, the effects of that, if they, if they were to be able to pull that off, what would the effects of that be? It would, it would, just, um, it would just take the states out of the whole procedure again? And, and the, so it wouldn't matter what the Pennsylvania or Georgia or Texas uh, state law says about abortion. It would just, uh, the federal um, action would just oversee that? Well, it would, but encouragingly, only for a short period of time, and here's why. We've got about 18 states here that have enacted total bans, either 
what are called gestational age limit bands or bands that are um, heartbeat or better. So from the moment of conception on. So about 18 states have banned it, and any challenges have been unsuccessful thus far. But 22 states have legal abortion. So now what do we do if the federal government declares a public health emergency? Well, for the time being, that would suspend any restriction of abortion access, depending on the parameters of that particular declaration. Remember, they've got to be able to cite what's called a disease or disorder. And it's hard for me not to laugh because pregnancy, and I've been pregnant four times, it's hard not to see not <laughs> to see that as anything but wonderful. It was never a disease or a disorder to me. But remember, we're trying to deal with contagion elements. This is something that needs to be contained. It's a suspension of liability for the federal government to make sure they can cut off something like, for example, COVID-19 epidemic in its path. There is no arguable justification for using those emergency powers in order to provide elective abortion access. So while we might see suspension of these abortion laws, these bans that were legally passed, democratically enacted in these 18 states, my guess is that we will see an immediate challenge to the high court on the interpretation of the Emergency Powers Act, specifically here, the Stafford Act or the PrEP Act. And that's good news because this court is disinclined toward using power in such a way that grows the government and essentially manipulates the Constitution. It's really kind of disturbing, isn't it, that um, how much these guys love abortion? Getting back to the... To, to 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 the overreach involved in sending a SWAT team to some innocent guy's house uh, at four o'clock in the morning and making his kids uh, having his kids see him being dragged out. I guess he was in handcuffs. Yeah. So. And then and then that's uh, while that's going on. It's not even that hasn't been that wasn't even resolved yet that case. And they're working on the this um, public health emergency situation. And that again is a gigantic overreach, as you say. This Supreme Court is just not not going to buy it for two seconds. But they're That's so exactly they, they're just so they they have more energy for this than they have for any other issue. They really do, and we've seen so many other manifestations of this so far. I give you, for example, something called EMTALA. That's the Emergency Management Labor and Treatment Act. That's a bill. That's a law designed to prevent hospitals from turning away indigent patients. We don't want someone coming in with a heart attack who doesn't necessarily have a way to pay for it to be turned away. So, for example, they've used that to argue that this provides for elective abortion in emergency rooms. They've used the Veterans Administration interim final rule on abortion to turn VA hospitals and clinics into abortion clinics. Never has the law been interpreted that way and, in fact, actually contains prohibitions on the use of abortion because taxpayer funding is implicated. And we know that these Hyde provisions restrict the government's use of money for abortion that's been upheld by the Supreme Court. We've seen the DOD issue guidance arguing that abortion-related travel costs should be covered. We have seen every which way from Sunday, to borrow an old phrase my mother used to use, (laughs) this administration tried to cover abortion access. And what this is, is ultimately a desperate end run scramble because they've lost one of the chambers of Congress. And they know that this presidential administration is living on borrowed time. Yeah. And is this all, does it all go back, uh, Sarah, to um, anger over Roe v. Wade? There is no question, you know, and, and to tie this up with a big red bow, here's why I think that the leak came from chambers of one of the more liberal justices or someone who was support staff or administrative staff with access to the actual Dobbs opinion, the draft opinion that was leaked in May, because what this did was essentially give the Democrats a 60-day running start on making sure that they could cover all of their bases when it came to abortion access. And in fact, even just in the 24 hours after the leak of the opinion, Planned Parenthood's lobbying arm received an influx of $10 million. That's in the first 24 hours after the leak. That leak did not serve the conservative movement. In fact, it caught the conservative movement very flat-footed. But what it did was allow the Department of Justice attorneys and the White House attorneys to get very creative 
with what they were going to use in federal law to try to cover abortion access. It's a mad scramble resulting directly from Dobbs, and I don't think it'll stop until January 2025. We're talking to Sarah Parshall Perry. She's a senior legal fellow at the Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, Before we finish up, Sarah, you you wrote a piece uh, a couple weeks ago about the abortion pill and the fact that the headline is states should look to ban abortion drugs. Can states get away with that? They sure can. And it's good news for these legislators who are looking for ways to advance the cause of life, to protect unborn life. The reason being that the power, again, that the federal government claims, once again, existing longstanding law, and that's the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, they've argued, the Department of Justice has argued, well, the approval through the FDA of abortifacients means that that's tantamount to a rubber stamp, and it means you can't outlaw those drugs in your state. Well, after a thorough analysis, a legal colleague and I went through about six months of research and writing. And in the end, all of the case law supports the fact that the FDA is simply saying, if you want to sell this, if you want to circulate it, you can. But it was never meant to be a regulatory ceiling. It is simply the rubber stamp that allows a state to distribute if it wants. But there is nothing restricting a state from going ahead and putting more restrictions on top of it. Federal preemption is normally the presumption, but when you're dealing with health, safety, and the Food and Drug Cosmetic Act, there's a very distinct outcome. So we're encouraged to be able to offer that research. Breaking federal news story, GenBioPro, a manufacturer of the generic version of Mifepristone, RU486, has just sued West Virginia, saying that West Virginia's requirements for abortifacient access are more stringent than the FDA's. Well, I have news for you. I don't think that is going to be a successful lawsuit, and we look forward to the day at which it is ultimately tossed out of court. So the, the, uh, the, uh, the pill makers are looking at losing lots of money. They absolutely are, and nothing talks like pharmaceutical money when abortion is concerned. Listen, we know that medicine and government are the sort of evil kissing cousins of this particular administration. And boy, we've seen medical liability and we've seen medical law, federal statutory law weaponized in ways I think a lot of us never anticipated we would see. But as long as there are opportunities to expand abortion access, to protect abortion access, we're going to be ready to write back with the answer that's constitutionally sound, statutorily appropriate, and one that we think will be an encouragement for everyone who believes in the cause of life. i got about 30 seconds, Sarah. Back to the original discussion here. Um, what are the chances that the win, the loss yesterday by Biden and the Justice Department on this FACE Act case, will it make them um, any more shy about pursuing it again? Or is it going to have to be a pretty slam-dunk deal before they come after somebody the next time? Well, I'm hoping it'll have a little bit of a pinning back of the ears on the administration's prosecutorial uh, abuse of discretion here. That may be the case, but they've got a very thick backlog of potential face-back violations they haven't turned to yet. So my suggestion is that they start looking to the violence and the arson and the vandalization of crisis pregnancy centers before they go back to peaceful religious protesters who simply want to speak up for unborn life. Yeah, well, good luck with that, Sarah. I, <laughs> I, 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 don't see, I don't see that happening, but we'll see. Thank you for coming on the show, though. I appreciate it, as always, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's Sarah Partial Perry of the Heritage Foundation. We'll be right back. Investments involve a high degree of risk and actual results may vary. Oil and natural gas keep going up as the Russia conflict escalates. Get in on the next major oil boom now and help the U.S. with your patriotic investment that can potentially pay you monthly income for up to 20 or more years. 
That's the sound of a producing oil well and the sound of a smart investment. If you're an SEC-accredited investor and have at least 25000 liquid now, you can take advantage of Encore Energy's projects and a huge tax savings for this year. If you invest in oil and natural gas, you're allowed to write off nearly 100% of your investment in the first year. Goldman Sachs is projecting oil to go up to $100 a barrel, and natural gas is the fuel of the future and trading at record prices. Call 800-287-6691. Encore Energy is a major investor and experienced operator in its core area of operations. Call now and learn how to deduct 100% of your investment and create 20 or more years of potential monthly income. Call 800-287-6691. That's 800-287-6691. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of Trust Link Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Hey, you got uh, 95 bucks you want to spend? You can go see Bernie Sanders. He's got a book out. And he's charging seventy, or I'm sorry, ninety-five dollars a ticket to go see him. I guess I don't know if he's going on tour. I guess he is if he's got a book. But he's uh, yeah, he is going to go on a book tour. And you pay ninety-five dollars, you can see Bernie in person, and he'll tell you why <laughs> capitalism is a bad idea. Well, he's out there making money on his book, thanks to capitalism. And uh, who would go see this guy? But he's out there, ninety-five bucks and. It's a, he's, it's a, it's a, I don't even know, who knows what the book's about. It's probably, it has something to do with him being in charge of telling you how much money you have to pay your employees or, you know, how, I don't know, well, how much, what kind of a house you're allowed to live in, whether or not you're allowed to have a gas stove. I don't know. But uh, the book is called It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism. And it costs 28 bucks. And, you know, if he was really interested in sharing the wealth, he wouldn't charge 28 bucks. It would be free or maybe, you know, two bucks to cover the cost of production or five bucks, whatever. But Bernie's out there making money as a socialist. What a guy. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steckerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the Yellow Van.